بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير قال الله سبحانه وتعالى لقد وعدنا نحن واباؤنا هذا من قبل ان هذا الا اساطير الاولين صدق الله العظيم beloved brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته we thank allah azza wa jal who's blessed you and i with iman with the ability to perform our salah with jamaah for the ability for us to spend the time between two jamaahs in the masjid in uh, the one who waits from one salah to the other he will be regarded as though he is actively in salah and as long as we are in the masjid waiting for the next salah not only are we getting the reward as though we're in salah but we have angels constantly being making dua for us and we've made niya of i'tikaf while we're here we made niya that we're here to seek knowledge so we are all students of knowledge and we have the angels who are welcoming us as we came here and inshallah this gathering all the way up to the heavens is surrounded by countless angels this is that gathering in which the angels say uh that uh, come come let us gather together there is a group of people who are worshiping and making dhikr of allah azza wa jal so even the angels are inviting one another to be part of such a blessed gathering and it, it is such gatherings like this where the prophet alayhi salatu salam says idha marartum bi riyadh al jannah when you pass by the gardens of paradise then uh graze to your uh full heart's content rata'u grace to your full heart's content eat as much as you can eat as much as you want right why and what are those gatherings he said it's hilaqul dhikr these are the circles of remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so imagine that we're we're supposed to, we're encouraged here to um we're encouraged here to participate and and and, and take full benefit uh even angels are inviting one another so imagine how much how much of a blessing it is for you and i to be here So it's about the issue the <coughs> the most important thing is about yaqeen. If we have yaqeen then the rewards are innumerable. And if we don't have yaqeen and conviction then we won't be we will not even have the ability the desire uh to be participating in such gatherings because it takes us takes our time away from family, from job, from from sports, from XYZ. So we ask Allah and we beg Allah that he grants us the yaqeen on the promises that he, he and his prophet have made. Amin rabbil alamin. And he grants us the ability to f- fully appreciate every single moment Allah invites us to be part of gatherings of knowledge and dhikr. Also we make dua that in this next hour that Allah azza wa jalla allows us all uh, to hear such things that will be a source of inspiration for us, a, spo- a source of us connecting with the book of Allah. and the source of us removing removing from us any and all types of difficulties problems issues that we may be going through whether they related to be related to the deen or to the dunya whether they are related to this world or the next ayah 83 well starting from allah azza wa jal says just to go a little bit behind few ayats allah when he mentions in these verses about his power the fact that he gives life and death in his hands is the control of night and day and he asks us why don't you think the response that the nation would give to the prophets is that um same thing as what 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 their predecessor said it make that or do you really expect us to believe the fact that we shall be raised up again we will be resurrected again 
once we are raised, once we are dead and reduced to dust and bones. You know, beloved friends, the idea is if we become very, um, if we make judgments based on what meets the eye, and we do not use the intellect that Allah has given us, and we do not use the heart that has been guided by the nur of Allah, then we will also say such things like this. You see someone who dies and you bury him. You say, I saw with my own eyes. And then everyone who dies, we see every skeleton out there, every animal that's dead. What happens? The carcass becomes dried after some time, the bones, the flesh moves, washes, you know, disintegrates. And you have a dead carcass lying there. Apparently, this dead carcass never comes back to life. For me to believe that I shall die and the whole world shall die and perish and then Allah will resurrect myself and the entire creation and the world will come back together that requires a certain first of all introspection then after that it requires a leap of faith you have to use your aql and intellect to start thinking what does the Quran say about life after death what do the other scriptures say about life after death is life after that even sensible? Or is it the real only sensible solution to today's problems? That if we didn't believe in the life after death, then what would happen in the world? What type of anarchy? What type of chaos would happen if, if everyone knew that there's no such thing as life after death? Then after you put all this A, B, C together, you still have to make a leap of faith. And you still have to save Iman bil ghayb and say, you know what, this must be true. And alhamdulillah, as believers, as Muslims, we all have done this. We've used our intellect to logically understand not only the possibility, but rather beyond that, the necessity and the importance of the life after death in order for the world to run smoothly. Number two, we have all made the leap of faith when we said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu rasulu. And we believed in Amantu Billahi wa Malaikati wa Kutubihi wa Rusuli wa Qadri Khairihi wa Sharrihi min Allahi Ta'ala wa Ba'fi Ba'd al Maut. We believed in all of these articles of faith. So we are not people who make judgments based on what meets the eye. Otherwise, we can't be Muslims. We've done beyond that. That's yaqeen, alhamdulillah. It's very commendable. But my beloved friends, that yaqeen on the day of judgment, if it's truly there because of the, the, the leap of faith we made, it has to spread out into all other aspects of our life. Meaning, our marriage and our divorce, our business dealings, <laughs> when we start a new business and when we dissolve a business, when we start up a partnership and dissolve a partnership, when we buy and we sell, when we rent and we rent out, when we eat and we feed, when we earn and we give others a gift, in all these aspects, belief in the unseen must become very apparent. Meaning our life should be such that someone who deals with us knows that this man is a man of God. A man who fears Allah. A man who fears retribution. A man who is guided by certain principles. And amongst those principles is the principle that you and I are going to face Allah on the day of judgment. And we will be answerable to every action of ours. His life and the life of the one who doesn't believe in the hereafter, shatana bainahuma. There must be, they shall be, there will always be a huge difference. Because you're guided by this principle, this feeling, this conviction that there is 
a test happening. Imagine these bro- beloved brothers sitting in front of me. <laughs> Subhanallah. Imagine if you knew that at the end of this, after Isha, there's going to be a quiz on this. Of whatever we talk about. And we have $1,000 gift certificates waiting. All of a sudden, not only you know, our posture would change, we'd all have our notebooks, would all be whatever, even my cough, you're making a note of it. That's why some students have, mashallah. You know how they did in the court? The one who takes documents, who writes down everything happens in court, the recorder. You might even, you, I think they do write coughs and everything there. Subhanallah. So if someone knows that I'm going to get tested, <laughs> then they will change. That's, that's definitely going to happen. If someone thinks, no, this is an enjoyable, you know, what we call a drive through dars. Then, alhamdulillah, then no problem, we relax. One week we come, one next two weeks we won't come, no problem, it's not an issue. But madrasa students know better. They better not be missing class. Because there's an expectation there. Simple example I gave, now take it into the grand scheme of things. A person who believes in the hereafter and the person who doesn't, they're not going to have the same lifestyle. And this is where Rasulullah said, when you're choosing a friend, three things he mentioned. Number one, مَنْ ذَكَّرَكُمْ بِاللَّهِ رُؤْيَتُهُ When you look at them, you remember Allah. When you look at them, you remember Allah. When they speak, your knowledge of Islam and deen increases. Ilm, knowledge increases when you hear them speak. And lastly, When you look at their actions, you, remember, you are reminded of the hereafter. A person who truly believes in the hereafter, he cannot fraud and scam people. Let's be honest. All these people, Muslims who scam others, all over the world and in this country what's going on how do you do that how can you go to sleep knowing you scammed people cheated how can a person knows that he has oppressed his spouse and he has you know ruined their future how can you go to sleep nicely how can someone know that they've emotionally blackmailed someone and they've ruined their reputation on top of that how can you sleep peacefully when a person knows that he has misrepresented the facts and got a court to make judgment in his favor. How could you sleep peacefully? Who sleeps peacefully? The one who truly, whose conviction in the hereafter is weak. Because if his conviction was strong, he could not have done that. And that's why Allah says, وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَعَنْ Whoever fears standing in front of his Lord, he will get two beautiful gardens. Until a person doesn't truly remind himself and herself that a day will come where I will be facing Allah Azza wa Jal and to my right will be my good deeds, to my left will be my sins and to the front of me, tilqa'a wajhihi an-nar In front of my face will be the blazing fire of hell. لَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ تَرْجُمَانِ No translator between me and Allah. My beloved friends, we should all get goosebumps thinking about this. And we should feel that there's, not, there's no way I can cheat. There's no way I can lie. There's no way I can deceive. There's no way I can willingly, intentionally leave my prayer. There's no way willingly, intentionally, I cheat on giving my zakat. <clears throat> Who does that? The one whose belief in the hereafter is weak. So my point is, the disbelievers, they would not accept the message of the prophets and they would say what their elders had said. Are you serious? That after we're, da- da- we're dead and gone and our bones are disintegrated, that we will be resurrected? Really? Uh, I don't believe this. Truly, we have already been promised this very thing. This is nothing but the tales of the ancients. Ustura, asatir means tales, fairy tales. 
awalin of the very first of people. This is a, these are old ladies' tales that have been, been passed down from generation to the generation. So as bad and evil this statement sounds like of the disbelievers, I ask you to ask yourself, do you not think the ones who cheat, the ones who deceive, the ones who spend in haram, who earn in haram, who consume haram, aren't their actions speaking louder than their words? They're saying, Ashhadu wa la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. However, their actions are of that, of the one who doesn't believe in Allah Azza wa Jal, or at least doesn't believe in the hereafter. So it is, deen is not about what we say, as much as it is about what we do if it, if it conforms to what we claim. And if we do what does not conform to what we claim, then I'm sorry, we will be judged by our actions, not by our words. Ask ourselves, are we leading a life of a believer or a disbeliever? Because the disbelievers, since they don't have belief in the hereafter, what do you expect? They expect them to lead lives that are not morally responsible, ethically responsible. They don't have time for the masjid or their church or whatnot. But as believers in the day of judgment, my beloved friends, we have to ask ourselves, like, why is it that I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And the simple answer is, the conviction is weak. We have to attend gatherings of halaqat, of ilm and dhikr and da'wah and, and yaqeen. We have to speak about Allah and His Rasul. We have to study about it. We have to contemplate over it. <coughs> we have to ask Allah, Allah, we iman and la yartad. Oh Allah, I ask you for such an iman and faith after which there is no apostasy. Allah, oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from having doubt in the truth after having been given the gift of conviction. Right? Well, you know, that's, that's what we have to ask Allah Azza wa Jal. So anyone who, who sees me from outside should know that this person believes in Allah and the Day of Judgment. What powerful ask Allah does here now. Allah is engaging us. He says, say to them, قُلْ أَوْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ Say to them, لِمَنِ الْأَرْضِ To whom does the earth belong to? وَمَنْ فِيهَا And whoever is on it. To whom does it belong? لِمَنْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If at all you know. If you seem, you say you know everything, okay, then who does this earth and belong to? Yani, it belongs to me or belongs to you? Just like a father says, enough is enough, who's paying for the bills? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, enough is enough. To whom does this earth? If you have a problem with me, what does the father say? You have a problem with me? Go outside. You're not going to stay under this roof and disobey me like this. Allah azza wa jal, does he have not the right to say, if you choose to disobey me, go find another roof besides my sky. Go find another shelter besides my earth. And keep your hands off of my sustenance. Eat something that comes from outside of my creation. Drink from something that is not part of my creation, and then you can worship whichever God you want. But as long as you are using my sky as a shelter, as a roof, my earth as a bedding, and my creation or my nature, my risk as food, then you have to obey the land of Allah. This is the rule of Allah. In kuntum ta'alamun, if all do you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking the Prophet to speak to these disbelievers and ask them to who does this all belong? الكون لله علماء سي الكون لله خلقا وملكا وتصرفا الله سبحانه all the creation belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number 1 خلقا 
He created everything. Many times people uh, manage something, but they don't create it. Like, a, let's say a limousine service is managing cars. But they didn't build a car. And you have a car company, automobile company that built it, but it's not, obviously it's not managing every car that's on the street. So Allah Azza wa Jal, kingdom belongs to him, khalqan, he created all of it. Number two, milkan, he owns it. They sell it and you become the owner. No, there's no such thing as selling Allah, created and sold it and someone else owns it. No, Allah owns it. Tasarrufan, then once you own it, sometimes you let other people handle it. Or other people run the affairs of it, but you're still the owner of it. You own, you own a, <coughs> a company. You have people doing all sorts of decisions there. Small scale, where does it mop? Where do you need to get mopped? Where do you need to turn on the fans? Where you need to, which light bulb you need to search? This, you do what you need to do. And bigger decisions too. The owner of the company is not going to be involved in that. Uh-uh, not with Allah. Tasarrufan. Every single aspect of any change, up and down, right or left, by a millionth of a degree, tasarrufan. All of that happens in the, with only the explicit permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So He created it. He owns it. He runs it. Lastly, masiran. When you finish using that car, 20 years later, what happens? You hand it over to the junkyard. Hand it over to some other person who buys it and sells it for scrap metal. Uh-uh. For Allah Azza wa there's no such thing as handing over. Masiran, the ending of all of it, thumma inna, inna alayna hisabahum, thumma inna ilayna iyabahum, thumma inna alayna hisabahum. To us, all of you shall come back, and then we shall take account of each one of you. Inna ilayna iyabahum. All of you will come back to me. Allah says, <clears throat> so many places, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We belong to Allah and we're going back to Allah. We're going back to Allah. So masiran means the end result, end turn. Where do we all go back to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isn't that amazing? From beginning to end, man, every single thing. This is what you call real vertical integration. Khalqan, milkan, tasarrufan, wa masiran. He's the one who created everything. He's the one who owns everything. He's the one who runs everything, of every, every aspect of everything. And lastly, he is the one who will be waiting to receive everything. And once he receives it on the other end, <clears throat> then jaza will happen. Good for, good for the good and punishment for the evildoers. So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Insan says, me, 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 my, I, ana, I. Allah says, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ They ask you about the soul. قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي Tell them the soul is from the command of my Lord. وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You have been given knowledge of, you have not been, give, you have not been given knowledge of anything إِلَّا قَلِيلًا but a little. This massive powerful country being run by a powerful individual or a massive powerful army run by a powerful general, huge guy, he's got all sorts of phones in front of him, buttons in front of him, he can press with a button, a nuclear warhead will go off. What happens? What happens? All of this human intellect, body, flesh, bones, all that power in one second. As soon as a Malakul Maut comes, says, Akhriju anfusakum, come out, come out. You don't listen. Okay, you don't want to listen. Okay, you, can, you have a choice. Either you nicely come out, or you're going to get whipped and come out. Akhriju anfusakum. When they won't come out, Allah Azza wa says, 
Then, this, then angels will start slapping them. The slap of an angel. Let's not even go there. What that must be. One angel sits there with a fingertip, with a wing of one, uh, one tip of one finger, takes an entire nation all the way up to the heavens and, and brings them back down, destroys all of them instantaneously. A corner of a wing. One, another angel's scream, sayha, yell, is sufficient to completely destroy instantaneously every single person. Every person's heart comes out. So imagine when the angels start whipping a person. Whipping their faces and their backsides. And they will say, come out, come out. Take that ruh, we'll be forced to come out. So as soon as Allah decides to kill the, you know, pull the plug, the person slumps over. In, right in front of his computer screen. Right with his phone in his hand. Right with all those buttons that control the nuclear powers of the world. All the satellites of the world. Everything. Gone. Huge guy. Lifeless. Finish. And that is the reality of every one of us. We think we're something. But wallahi, it just takes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amr kun fakan. Come out and out. Before we say, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah doesn't say kun. He doesn't have to say kun. His irada is existence. He intends someone for to perish and that man perishes. What do we see? How people just shockingly in their sleep passing away. Sheikh Abdullah Kamil, right? who came here, was so, I mean, it's so shocking. He came here last year, it was just last May, almost a year ago. SubhanAllah, when he came in, he recited such beautiful Quran during our retreat. And, uh, and uh, you know, before that as well. And, you know, he was the blind Qari. If you don't know who I'm speaking about, go check it online. Sheikh Abdullah Kamil, he was here a year ago. He spent two, three, four days with us. He recited Salat al-Fajr and did the Quran uh, recitations of the night. He went today, it was after Eid, and he went, he led Fajr, Dhuhr, in the masjid. He went home. SubhanAllah, they waited. He wasn't there for Asr. I think they might have waited for Maghrib. He wasn't there. They went to go see him in his apartment. SubhanAllah, he passed away in his sleep. He didn't even see his, his, his child of his was born during Ramadan in Egypt, back in Egypt. He hadn't gone back to Egypt yet. Rahimahumullah, rahmatan wasi'ah. Right? May Allah Azza wa Jal make everything he recited in his Mizan al-Hasanat. It was, I'm just thinking about him. Because you know, I was thinking, <clears throat> people like him and all those people who are visually impaired, like how do they sin? What's the biggest sin today? Is internet and cell phone. People like him, they can't even sin if they want to. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects them. How Allah Azza wa Jal protects them from all that filth. Immediately, just think. Imagine someone says, I've never allowed my eyes to fall a single moment on a non-mahram, my whole life. Not one person satar, my whole life. What would you say? Nah, impossible. No, I impossible. But he can say, Wallahi billahi tallahi, that's the truth. Someone who's visually impaired like that. Right? Imagine then Allah Azza wa how it opens up the Quran upon such hearts. So the good and the bad, righteous people like him, as well as evil people out there, thousands of them. This is the haqiqat of insan. You're amazed at someone's architectural skills. You're amazed at someone's singing skills. You're amazed at someone's surgery skills. You're amazed at someone's construction skills. You're amazed at someone's orderly skills. And what is that? It's just ruhu min amri rabbi. This tongue that's moving, these eyes that are moving, these hands that are moving, this mind that is moving at the speed of God knows what, that is doing all sorts of amazing things. 
But in reality, all of this goes down to one thing. If the ruh is there, this body shall function. And no sooner the ruh comes out, this body, this human being will just become a janaza that needs to be washed. It will not have the ability to even roll over one side. Hey, let me, do, let me help you out as you wash in my body. Nope. <coughs> That's it. Cannot even help you wash itself. Imagine right now any of us, if someone says, let me help you take a bath. How we, how we would feel offended. That astaghfirullah, what are you talking about? But imagine the poor body, within seconds, he is at your mercy. You do whatever you want. Wash wherever you want. Push wherever you want. Pull wherever you want. You dump him, you throw him on the floor, also can't say anything. Can't protect himself. That is the ma'al, and that is the ending of all of us. And it's been the ending of billions before us. The biggest Fir'aun, Shaddad, Qarun, Haman, and the greatest of Sahaba, on the other side, the greatest of the prophets, whatever it may be. When the soul comes out, my beloved friends, it's all over. So that's what you call power. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, lights out, it really means lights out. Gone. Once the light to the human body is cut, no one can do anything about that. And Allah azza wa jal says, قُلْ say, Allahumma, O Allah, مَالِكَ mulk. You are the king of all kings. King of all kingdoms. You are the one who chooses to give kingdom of the house, of the city, of the village, of the country, of a continent, of an empire. Whoever you want. And then You snatch it away from whomsoever you wish. You grant honor to whomsoever you wish. Whenever, however, in whatever circumstances Allah wishes. And you are the one who disgraces whoever you wish. Indeed, you're all capable over everything. Indeed, you're all capable over everything. Allah says, To whom does this earth and who belong? Allah says, right here, this verse is written all the way at the top of the dome. At the very top. Indeed, Allah is keeping up the heavens and the earth from falling. And if Allah were to allow them to fall, to go out of orbit, to fall in whatever way of disarray and discord and chaos, who can keep order in the heavens and the earth after him? Indeed, Allah is all forbearing, all forgiving, that He doesn't treat you and I based on how we deserve to be treated. Instead, He keeps on letting us go. Haliman, very forbearing. Ghafura, and then He not only is forbearing, He forgives. So, this is an appeal from Allah. Think who does this earth belong to, and everyone, including yourself, who's on it. If only you know. They shall say they belong to Allah. This is what the mushrik of Makkah would say. Unfortunately, today's atheist doesn't say this. But the mushrik of Makkah would say, they all belong to Allah. Okay, then say to them, Afala tadakkarun. Will you not then become mindful that Allah is able to resurrect you for your judgment? So today's weak Muslim is the same. The actions are as though he owns the world. Today's weak Muslim is such as though he owns the world. He has no care about what will Allah say about this. But if you ask him, you know, who created Allah? He'll say, Allah did. Who created you? Allah did. Who created the earth? Allah did. My beloved friends, I keep on wanting to highlight this theme today, is that every time we are tempted to sin, always ask ourselves, do you not believe that Allah is the created, creator 
of the heavens and the earth that you are enjoying. If you believe that, then why are we not mindful of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to say? Astaghfirullahaladzim. A person today, he will do a marriage in a manner that is absolutely un-Islamic. You have marriage season coming up now. How many marriages you all will be invited to? And a person, what does he say? Bhai, why are you doing this? Habibi, you come sit in tafsir. You come sit in the front row. You're here before, for Fajr before the Imam. Why are you doing this type of wedding? And the answer will be, so that at least my, my son will be happy. I tell my son, my daughter, no problem. I just want you to be happy. I just, just want you to be happy. Is that a correct statement? No, it's not about I just want you to be happy. It's Ya Allah, I want you to be happy. If my daughter is happy, my son is happy, great. If not, tough luck. My Lord, on the other end, shouldn't be angry. Because guess what? I can make you happy. I can give you, bribe you, make you happy. And Allah can save me from your wrath. But who's going to save me from Allah's wrath? As the father and the mother who pay for the bills, who's going to save you from Allah's wrath? Don't worry about your brother and sister and your siblings from India and Pakistan who are coming and from, from, from Arabia are coming and you need to please them and you need to you know, show that what you have earned for 30 years, you, know, you have to put on a show for that. All of this stuff that our community is doing, it breaks my heart. Because they're not thinking. The one who fears Allah, fears coming face to face with Allah, will not be able to do such level of israf and extravagance and outright haram in so many ways. Before, like the youth tell me, before there's a time, dancing is not permissible. But when people used to dance, they say the guys would dance separately and the girls would dance separately. But now, the norm is the, 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 the hayala society, the Muslims. We're talking about the masjid going Muslims. I'm not talking about atheists here. I'm not talking about ex-Muslims. We're talking about the masjid going Muslims. Yes, the ones who come not even for Juma Juma. We're talking about the ones who come for Salah. The ones who study deen, went to Islamic schools, maybe did Hafiz al-Quran also. I studied here and there. But you see, the guys and the girls. Girls are watching the guys dance. The guys watch the girls dance and then they will go and dance together. Anything the Hindu must do, the mushrik must do, we have to follow. Anything. And it wasn't enough that we were doing it in once in a lifetime weddings. But now that has become the culture on campus. You ask the students of the university, when's the last Islamic event you had? We don't remember. I've been here for three years. I've asked some students here in some of the nearby universities. I'm enrolled for the past three years. I don't ever remember attending a single halaqa or lecture program by the student association. But we've got plenty of mock mandis and mock marriages and mock patani, what other, other nonsense in the universities. So this <clears throat> type of absolute lack of modesty and haya that is being breeded by our society within our youth, what will shall happen tomorrow? If today's youth who go to the masjid, don't mind watching girls dance. And those girls who attended Islamic schools don't, match or don't mind guys watching them dance. In their very, you know, showing off, obviously, very beautiful clothing, which are not meant at all for other non-mahram men to see. Then what will happen to these people's children? What will happen? What, what deen will be left in this community of ours? If this will become the order? And the issue is, the sad part is, how many of us, subhanAllah, who are sitting here, ask yourself, if you get invited, you'd show up. Ask yourself this question. If you get invited, you'd show up. And how many of us, you say, nope, I love you for the sake of Allah, I'm going to send you a $250 Amazon gift card. But I'm sorry, I'm busy. I can't make it to that. 
How many will spend dollars $2,000, $3,000 to travel to the other side of the country? We haven't gone for Umrah. We haven't performed our Fard Hajj. But we'll spend thousands of dollars across to go across country to attend a wedding in which this type of haram is taking place. And we say, no, we have to take care of our relatives. Huh? Silatul Rahim. We have to take care of it. This is what we're talking about. Where's the fear of Allah? Is this where the only deen comes about? Is only time you remember relatives? Is when they invite you to gatherings in which haram is happening and you have to show up there? <coughs> Real love for them is you sit down before the wedding happens, six months in advance. You're looking, you found a match? Okay, I'm here. They tell you, alhamdulillah, you're going to plan the date. But before we plan the date, let's talk about how this wedding is going to happen. Let's talk about how these things happen. That's where your love for, the, for the, your family comes in. The issue is not about the people who are just lost. May Allah guide them. Say Ameen. But the issue of the people who really have, not with one foot in the masjid, both feet in the masjid, yet attend such gatherings. And don't think it's a problem. They'll actually sit there, pull out their phone and take some videos themselves and post it on their status. Like what's going on? Where, where is your ghayra? Where is your iman? Where is your haya? You wouldn't want you should say, I don't want to even get caught dead in a gathering like this. I wouldn't want to get caught dead. And guess what? You, it's not about get caught. Allah is already watching you. He's got the you got the location on. You can never turn your location off. Allah Azza wa is watching wherever we are. Live stream. Wherever you are sitting, it's all being live streamed. No? Allah Azza wa is watching. So this is where the taqwa and the fear of Allah comes in. We have to ask ourselves, you cannot say, I'm going to attend one or two feet in the in the masjid. But when something happens that is not the deen, then I'll forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a beautiful uh, poem in which the poet says, Whenever you are sitting alone and a thought comes to you of haram, whenever you are sitting alone and you, a thought comes to you for haram, he says, and the nafs is instigating you. When you are alone with some doubts, desires, in darkness. And the nafs is inviting you. Go all out, man. Go all out. It's one, one, you only got one cousin, one sister cousin. You only got one sister. Come on. You only got one brother. You only got one older sister, one older brother. Always that only comes in, even though there's like another 50 onlys. But you know, my only, only one 30-year-old cousin sister, one only 25-year-old doctor brother, because you got a bunch of other brothers too, right? So you just got to add some sifa in there. It's only one chance. This is the only one chance I have to break the orders of Allah. We'll f- seek forgiveness afterwards. It's a time of happiness. These are the words. I just want you to be happy, anything. No, I'm sorry. For those fathers and mothers who are paying for these things, they say, what should we do? Our daughter demands it. Our son demands it. <sighs> the sad part is the reason why is your son and daughter demanding it. Because there's been nooks in your tarbiyah. There's been tarbiyah mistakes happened 25 years ago. I know, you can't just uproot it all tonight. But at least cry to Allah. Ya Allah, what have I done? Why is my daughter and my son... When someone says, oh, my son brought in a a non-Muslim girl to get married to. Or my daughter bringing in a non-Muslim man. What should I do? What do you mean what should I do? Repent from your bad tarbiyah that you gave to your kids. If you gave proper tarbiyah, 9 out of 10, or I would say even beyond that, 95% of the time this wouldn't have happened. And you would have known about it long ago if he was going in that direction. 
It didn't happen out of in a vacuum. He brought a non-Muslim or an atheist or a Yahudi or, or, or whatever else. Shia, Qadiani. All these things are happening. Every day I get these questions. Every day. But where your daughter found a Qadiani? How? How? Where's like, what's, where did we end up in this situation? Where it's, you don't know the basics of the deen and a person who believes in a prophet after Muhammad and a million other things. You say, no, this is the only girl you could find out there was a Qadiani. Only guy you could find there is a Shia. Like what's going on? What happened? This is the weakness of our own tarbiyah. This is, I make an appeal to moms and dads and the future moms and dads. Teach your children deen so you don't have to face that day when your daughter and son come up to you and say, Dad, this is what I found. Mom, this is what I found. This is what I want to do. Those, those proper tarbiyah, if it's done, inshallah, you won't have to face that. So the poet says, When you are alone in the layers of darkness, with some doubt and desire, and your nafs is propelling you and pushing you and inviting you to break all, board, all boundaries and disobey Allah. He says, have haya and be bashful from the eyes of Allah. And say, say to your nafs, that indeed the one who has created the darkness is seeing me. Others can't see me, but the one who created the darkness can most definitely see me. So when this, who's gonna say this? The one who truly, truly believes in Akhirah. My beloved friends, but if we do lip service, lip service, then it doesn't work. I am very far from where I need to be. So I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He creates within myself and all of us here this true yaqeen of Allah Azza wa Jal's power, greatness, knowledge, and His ability to see our actions. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to create this level of conviction <clears throat> that success will only be in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and a great opportunity for this to be tested. You know, you want to see how how you know you go to the doctor to get a blood test. You go to the <clears throat> go because you don't know. Like right now, I don't know what my condition, for example, is. You don't know. When you run a blood test, you see what's going on. So similarly, how to what degree do you and I love Allah and His Rasul? One big litmus test is our marriages. That's a big litmus test. When I come for Isha here, what is the opposite? Like, like who wants to like pray Isha the other way, facing that way? There's no desire for it. Who wants to pray Isha with one foot leg, one leg up? There's no desire for it. It's just like normal. Everyone's praying Isha, we pray Isha, khalas. There's no test here. The test is when the world is doing dancing and music and DJs and spending hundreds and thousands of dollars in Hindu customs. And now new thing is non-Muslim customs. I mean Christian customs. One was the Hindu customs. Now you've got marriages are happening within the Muslim community when there's exchange of vows. When it's no longer the wali of the girl who's sitting here and the boy is sitting here. It's no, it's the guy gotta be here, the girl gotta be here, and the khatib is gonna stand on the podium. And they're gonna both stand facing the crowd. I'm serious, this is what's happening now. The, the scholar is standing at the podium. The guy on the one side, the girl on the side facing the crowd. And then they turn around and face each other, and then there's an exchange of vows. And instead of just in the name of, of the, Jesus Christ or whatnot, in the name of Allah, in the name of the book, that's a one word usage. And then to the extent now the bride and groom, Wallahi, I've heard of people who witnessed there told me this. Been in Muslim marriages read by, led by so-called scholars where they say now the bride and groom may do what they need to do and actually spell it out. And the crowd is watching. And it's happening from where? From the masjid, mihrab. 
right here in the front in our masajid so the non-muslim customs so what's left of our deen now man you just change the word bible with quran jesus with allah everything else looks the same the dressing is the same too so you had the hindus before now you got the christians whatever left over this so-called christian and people are excited about it this is this is a moment of celebration if we don't control moments of happiness or moments of sadness we're going to lose it that's how you see to what level of deen has come into us because everyone is in this false I, like I may be thinking falsely I'm very healthy my blood test and a physical checkup will let me know what condition I have similarly I may be thinking I'm very pious but it's these events when I get tested and I'm telling the world I'm telling Allah I'm telling my prophet this is who I am let's not get deceived by our beards let's not get deceived by our thawb and kurta let's not get deceived by our hijab and jilbab let's not get deceived by us attending some halaqa in the masjid these are litmus this is not the only place of course there's many other things but this is one of those big ones and I'm speaking about it because we're coming into wedding season now and it's your, it's your decision now which weddings do you participate in which ones you don't which ones do you sit down and go speak to the, pre- speak to the people and to say bye if you want to do it do it according to and I've said, sometimes people do a wedding and say, Mufta, now you're very close to us, mashallah, but, you know, but please forgive us for not inviting you. Munasib It's not, it is not befitting for you to come. If it's not befitting for me to come, is it befitting for the Prophet ﷺ to come? If it's not befitting for the Prophet ﷺ to come, how dare you think you have any blessing in your son and daughter's marriage? For what? Why you have a big qari coming, a big sheikh who can give a powerful speech? For what? And then they give tasbihs to everyone. Huh? Yasin Sharif. Quran. Like this is gonna bring some blessing. Order it, dollar, 30 cents, or 30 cents, 10 cents from Pakistan. And this don't do stuff like this, please. Disrespect for the Quran. Who's you know how many Yasins are thrown out there? This is not to be handed out. This is the wrong place to be given out things like this. People are not in a mood for that. But it's just trying to appease our conscience that mashallah, we're very religious, Paban Din Darlog. We even called a mufti huh, to give a talk. Some other one, but not me. <laughs> right? And that's the point. And so we're appeasing the conscious. But deep down, where's the deen? If you can't invite the imam of the masjid because it's too nasty, then you definitely can't invite Rasulullah. How can you have blessing in that marriage? That's it. This is my advice to myself and all of you here. Remember this. If you're attending an event, Ask yourself, would the Prophet ﷺ be comfortable sitting with me here? And if not, why am I sitting here? Why am I even paying the bill for this? Why am I even having an event like this? If the Prophet ﷺ would run away and Allah forbid would cry or raise his hands against me and my community or my family who is doing all of this. So this is not to say that if you're happy, you're allowed to do whatever you want. If I'm happy, it's my graduation, I can come ransack your lawn and your house, by. If you're happy, good for you, but you can't ransack the deen. You cannot ransack the sunnah. You cannot sit there and say, I want it to, everyone's going to be happy, except for my prophet, I'm going to make him cry today. Let the janaz of all the sunnahs come out of my house. Because why? It's a day of happiness of my daughter. Happiness of my son. This hurts me. Wallahi, it hurts me because people, they seem so religious and they say such amazing, beautiful things, but then they slip so bad when it comes to these occasions. And it's like, what's, what's going on? What was all of that? What was all of that? What is this two-faced business we're doing over here? Because we, we all sin. 
But if a person has the audacity to show his sin in front of everyone else, and then to pay for it and to boast about it, then how can you expect any forgiveness for that? A person may fist, Allah forbid, example, may have missed a fard salah this whole week. But he's not proud about it. He's not going to come and say on the mic, brothers, I missed this many prayers and I'm proud of it. Who would do something like that? But on the other hand, these examples of giving you are people who are boasting about it. They'll say, this is much how many flowers we had. This is how much the videographer cost. This is how much the, the desserts cost, the dessert table. This is how much the horse, horse and the cart cost. This is how much the Lamborghini cost. This is how much this thing. And then the honeymoon and this and that. All of those things for what? For what? It's just all about show. And the worst part is the intention. The intention is to one-up someone else. It's to one-up someone else. It's to send a message that this is who we are. And that niya itself is horrible. The niya of just competing. The niya of putting other people down. The niya of flexing our muscles in front of other people to say this is what we can. This is what my profession can pays for. This is what my business pays for. Inna lillahi wa inna so these are things that have become over too common in our society, in our community. Now we can't change everyone, but at least we can make a commitment that we're not going to do this. Number two, we can make a commitment that we're not going to be part of this. That if someone is doing it, we will advise them. For Allah's sake, stop bringing out the card of Silatul Rahim. And I, you know how they say, people say, I have to accept a da'wah. How many brothers are here, maybe sitting here, have hosted a bayan at your house? You've done one. Talks at your home You've done talks at your home And you invite 60 people How many people show up? Not even 6 You cook food for 100 I have myself attended gatherings Where brothers, wife and Zim SubhanAllah Like I'm just looking Like what in the world I'll food for 100 people And it's me and the host So what about over there? Where did we forget about the aspect of Responding to the call of a Muslim brother Who's inviting you to eat? No, because it's connected to the deen We're not gonna show up and if it's not connected, look at these events, how we're dying to get people to the masjid. Any event you do. We had Mulana Musa Kaji this past weekend. Broke my heart to see how few people came. And when you see people in their weddings, I just asked someone, how many? he said, I invited 850, 800 have already RSVP'd. Allahu Akbar. What's going on with our community? 800, 1100, 1200 RSVP'd for marriages. And you have scholars coming from the other end of the world for the sake of Allah. Not taking one cent. Not accepting one cent. For the sake of Allah Azza wa coming and giving their time to us, and a person doesn't have time. So we don't we have time for parties, but we don't have time for the deen. Our priorities, if us as fathers and mothers, these are our priorities, what do you expect from your kids? What do you expect from your kids? Especially the immigrant community or those who are first generation. You know the, the trajectory. The deen is getting weaker and weaker as we move forward. So this is the time for you and I to look in the mirror. And to see truly to what degree am I a Muslim? To what degree is deen into my life? To what degree is sunnah into my life? As long as we acknowledge that we're weak and we're sinners and we are ready to change, alhamdulillah, tonight will be that beautiful Laylatul Qadr for us. But if we give false excuses and we hide our reality and don't owe up to our own selves, then the time of change won't come. And why shall Allah give hidayah to people who don't want hidayah? Hidayah will come to anyone. Anyone who desires it, wishes it, is humble, Allah is ready to give. Even if a person killed a hundred people, Allah is ready to forgive. Even at the time of his death, Allah is ready to forgive. But there has to be sincerity and there's got to be repugnance from our sin and a desire to change. May Allah create those attributes within myself and all of us here. 
سَيَقُولُونَ لِلَّهِ If you ask them who's running all of this show, they will say to Allah, Allah is running the show. أَفَلَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Then why are you not mindful of Allah? قُلْ مَنْ رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ السَّبْعِ وَرَبُّ الْعَشِ الْعَظِيمِ And say to them, who is the Lord of the seven heavens and the Lord of the magnificent throne? And the answer will be, سَيَقُولُونَ لِلَّهِ They again will say, soon they will say, it belongs to Allah. Will you not then be God-fearing? Look at these appeals from Allah. What's wrong with you? Why don't you fear me? Why don't you take heed? Why don't you comprehend? I own the earth. According to you, you're acknowledging it. I created it. You're acknowledging it. I created the heavens. You're acknowledging it. I'm the, I'm the master of the throne. You're acknowledging that everything is between, belongs to me. Then why don't you lead a life based on what I'm asking you to do? Moreover, say to them, in whose mighty hand is a dominion over all things. Such that he alone gives refuge while there's no refuge for him, if at all you know. Subhanallah. Allah Azza wa Jal, what is mulk? Mulk is kingdom. And what is malakut? <clears throat> malakut means the running of that kingdom. Malakut is the running of that kingdom. It's not kingdom, it's actually al-mulku ma'as-saytara. To, to have the kingdom with full power and the running of it is called malakut. <coughs> so the winds and the cycles of the day and the night and the seasons, all of that are in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La yujiru wa huwa yujiru wa la yujaru alayh. There's a saying, إِذَا كَانَ اللَّهُ معك, If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you, فَمَنْ عَلَيْكَ Who can be against you? وَإِذَا كَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ If Allah is against you, فَمَنْ مَعَكَ Who can be with you? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِذَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مَعَكَ If Allah is with you, فَمَنْ عَلَيْكَ Who can be against you? وَإِن كَانَ عَلَيْكَ And if He's against you, who can possibly be with you? And so Allah Azza wa Jal says, يُجِيرُ He is the only one alone who can give you refuge. وَلَا يُجَارُ عَلَيْهِ And there's no refuge from him. Jar is a neighbor. Ajara yujiru, Like a neighbor opens his door for his neighbor who's in distress. Similarly, ajara means to give someone space in their home, to give them refuge. So when a person turns away from Allah, there's no one who can give him refuge besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person becomes a materialistic individual running after this world, then there's no one who can save him from the wrath of Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal says, لا ملجأ ولا منجأ لا ملجأ من الله إلا إليه No place to run and hide from Allah but by going back to Allah. One of the beautiful du'as of Rasulullah in, in sajda was, you remember, 15th night of Sha'ban. The Prophet Sha'ban, he was making this du'a. Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik wa bi mu'afatika min uqubatik wa na'udhu bika mink la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik Beautiful dua, let's listen to it Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik Oh Allah, I seek refuge in your pleasure from your anger wa a'udhu bi mu'afatika min uqubatik I seek refuge in your giving me well-being from your punishment وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْكَ And I seek refuge in you, from you. This is powerful. I seek refuge in you, 
from you. This, if you want to run away from Allah's wrath, there's only one way. You got to go right back to Him. لا عليك, I cannot possibly fully, I cannot do justice to praising you. What am I going to say? Anta, you are kama ala nafsik, just like you have praised yourself. I cannot praise you. So there's no one who can give us refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the uh, kings, he wrote one, uh, a letter to one of the tabi'un and, uh, and he said to him, he ordered him to, to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to do something which was incorrect. So he began to think, what should I do? He, uh, Yazid bin Mu'awiyah apparently, he sent a letter. And so the tabi'i said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَمْنَعُكَ مِنْ يَزِيدٍ وَلَكِنْ يَزِيدٍ لَا يَمْنَعُكَ مِنَ اللَّهِ You're wondering what should you do? Yazid bin Mu'awiyah sent you a letter doing something which is not correct. Remember, Allah can save you from Yazid, but Yazid cannot save you from Allah. Today I was reading in the hadith in the fifth years, we did the story of Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu anhu being killed by Hajjaj ibn Yusuf. You've heard the story possibly. And his mother eventually, after he hung him outside Mecca, and he had he he heard he you know he sent for his mother to come, Asma, the daughter of, of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. She said, Absolutely, I shall not respond to you. He said, I promise, I warn you, if you don't come to me right now, again and again, he said, then I will send I will send my soldiers who will come dragging you by your hair locks, by your hair. They'll drag you to my court. She said, No problem. Send them, but I will not come willing to you, willingly to you. So eventually he grabbed his own slippers or shoes and he walked over to or went over to where she was to make fun of her and to mock at her old lady who had become blind at that time the daughter of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu and, she, and he said have you heard how I have destroyed what I have done to your son and she said yes I know what you have done you have ruined my son's dunya but my son has ruined your akhirah my son has ruined your akhirah subhanallah imagine the iman of these people right of these and then he said she said i know you call me that nitaqin nitaq is the waist belt and the reason that was a laqab that was a name who gave her the prophet sallallahu himself gave her but he would use it in a derogatory manner that oh, oh abdullah bin zubair you are the son of the lady who is a servant of the house the way women run around walking you know servants running around because they're, clo- they're doing so much running around and mopping and taste that whatever the case may be they'll have a belt around their waist so he would say this in a derogatory manner that you are a son of a low level you know peasant this was the laqab and the, the name honorific title that the Prophet had given her two belts why she had one belt that she wore and another belt or cloth that she had packed up food as you may always remember and gave it to Abu Bakr Siddiq and the Prophet when they were on their journey for hijrah and he was so Rasul was so touched by that that she had she just tore her own cloth and put food in it for them so he Ajaj Yusuf had nothing to say when she said that he quietly just walked out of the house and you understand from this what, what made her say that? What made Abdullah bin Zubair stand up? He's like, listen, man, Allah, I'll, I'll say what, I'll, what I think is right. 
Allah can save me from you, but you cannot save me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath. And so this part is so important. Anytime you have a clash between what people are saying and what Allah wants us to do, always remember that. Allah can please the people on your behalf, but the people will never be able to please Allah on your behalf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can protect you from those people's wrath, but those people can never protect you from Allah's wrath. In kuntum ta'alamun, if you at all know, then you will realize this. Sayyiduna lillah, they shall say, it all belongs to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, How then are you so deluded by false beliefs? Tusharun, all of you realize, comes from the word sihr. How are you all bewitched? The way you are acting, it's as though someone has done some magic on you. And a man who is bewitched, the way he does unthinkable things, illogical things, this is how you're leading your life. You say Allah, Allah, Allah. All these previous ayats, سَيَقُولُونَ لِلَّهِ سَيَقُولُونَ لِلَّهِ سَيَقُولُونَ لِلَّهِ That it all belongs to Allah. Heavens also, earth also, malakut also, arsh also. Then how come your actions do not match your words? Have you been bewitched? What's wrong? فَأَنَّا تُسْحَرُونَ How are you then deluded by such false beliefs? بَلْ أَتَيْنَاهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَإِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ Rather we have brought them the truth, but they are most surely liars. They lie in everything as well as in the fact that they claim that they love Allah and they love the Rasulullah and they're true Muslims. They're lying in that as well. Because the, the proof is in the pudding. And the actions, unfortunately, <coughs> don't match. Allahum in their They are obviously lying in this as well. Allahum in walad. Allah has not taken to Himself any offspring. And if you say Allah has an offspring, you're lying. Nor has there ever been any God with Him. Even if Allah had partners with Him and other gods, each God would have gone off with whatever He created. Moreover, overcome. Some would have sought to overcome others. Ba'd means some. Ala means to overcome. Some would have sought to overcome others. Subhanallah amma yasifoon. Highly exalted is Allah. Far above all that what they ascribe to Him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah is saying that I have no partner and I have no son. And if there were more partners, then they would, like you see today, they say business don't have partners. Huh? Big problems happen. If you have a little, when Torah Pesajata, when a little money comes, partners have big problems, siblings have big problems. Imagine this, this whole massive world. It's not a few trillion. What is this massive, massive creation? Imagine if there was more than one God, Allah Azza is saying, they would fight naturally when you become two powerful. You can't have two powerful people in the room. You can't have two chefs. You can't have two chiefs. You can't have two pilots you can have a co-pilot who is going to listen only do what the, when the pilot says take over I'm going to the bathroom I'm resting what not how can you have possibly two gods they say no one they, the, the ulama explain if there's, if there's two gods naturally when two great minds two great minds are they going to think alike in every single thing two powerful intelligent people 100% every single thing they're going to think in the same manner naturally no part of creativity is you think differently 
So if there's two gods, they're naturally going to have different decisions or different intentions or different wishes. Now what's going to happen? There's going to be a tug of war. Which direction do you go? The do- that, that, that god that loses cannot be a god. How can you be a god and then you lose? So definitely, there has to be one and only one who makes a final call. So Allah Azza wa is saying, if there were multiple gods, they would, be, they would be taking their own, say, oh, I have a fight. What happens when there's a, when the, when there's a, a fight? Then two brothers, one of them will take half of his business and go away. There's a school, there's a fight. One, one person will take half of the students and go away. There you go. That's what would have happened in the world if there was more than one God. Subhanallah, amma yasifun. Highly exalted is Allah, far above what they ascribe to Him. Alim al ghaybi wa shahada. The sole knower of all the realms of the unseen and the seen. Alim is the knower. Al ghayb, the unseen. Wa shahada and the seen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who knows what, you and I, what meets the eye and what doesn't meet the eye. Fata'ala amma yushrikun. Again, ta'ala, He's far above all that they associate with Him. What we see is so little compared to what we don't see. Let's always remember that. We get so amazed at what we see. We don't realize, just like the oceans are so much more than the landmass, but it's, we're on the landmass, so we think about land, but the oceans are so much more. Similarly, what we see, since that's what meets the eye, we don't realize what we don't see is trillions and trillions and trillions of times more than what we see. From the angels to the jinn to just the apparently never-ending expanding space and the trillions of celestial objects that are there. And Allahu A'lam, what other creations that must be there? And under one earth, under inside each planet, and what is orbiting out there? Alim. Allah knows all of that. And He definitely, if He knows all of that, He definitely knows my weaknesses and your weaknesses. He definitely knows what happens in the nights. No one can hide that from Him. Qul, O Muhammad Wasallam, Say to them, Rabbi, O my Lord, in dua, turiyanni, if it is to be that you will show me the fulfillment of whatever judgment they are promised. Rabbi, O Allah, if it is to be that you will show me the fulfillment of whatever judgment they are promised. Turiyanni means to show me. Ma yu'adun, whatever they have been promised in terms of adab and so forth. Rabbi, then my Lord, فَلَا تَجْعَلْنِي فِي الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ let, let not me not be amongst the wrongdoing people when it befalls. This is a dua Allah is teaching His Prophet wasallam to make. And it's in the Qur'an. That Ya Allah, if you choose to send down your adab, I beg you that don't let me see it. Just today, we came across a hadith in class as well. That... Um, that when Allah intends to be kind to a nation, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away the Prophet earlier on. And He allows the Prophet to go ahead of the Ummah on the Day of Judgment. He allows the, the Nabi to die before the Ummah and for Him to be waiting for the Ummah on the Day of Judgment to be their intercessor. And when Allah decides to go after an Ummah, because of what they have done to the Prophet. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the adab and the punishment upon the nation while the Prophet is still alive. And the Prophet with his own eyes witnesses and sees the punishment befalling the nation. 
and his death is his punish his pain is avenged because they 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 they, they were oppressive towards the prophet they belied the prophet so allah Azawajal says now revenge is sweet let me you sit relax and watch how we punish these people who belied you this hadith we covered today so now this what, what about with the ummah of rasul sallam rasulullah sallallahu sallam left this ummah long before all of us and he told us that i am going to be waiting for you at the hawd i'm going to be waiting for you at the pool and if you don't find me at the pool you'll find me at the mizan at the scales begging allah to let people go if you don't find me at the scales you'll find me on the bridge over jahannam begging allah to let people pass over into jannah he went early behind before us to make intizam and make preparations on the day of judgment to welcome us over there so the dua allah is teaching him is so powerful that you say oh allah if you really want to bring down a punishment upon these people please don't make me from amongst those people who have to witness this and i don't want to be even from amongst those people who are allah forbid this is never going to happen but this is a dua who are part of what we call collateral damage that is why one of the duas we learn from the prophet sallallahu alaihi maftun Oh Allah, when you intend to send a fitna and a trial and a test upon the nation, pull me back. Pull me back. Call me back. Without being tested with that fitna. This is the dua we need to be making today. I don't know what the future will hold. Just yesterday I was startled to read that the chief officer who developed AI and, who, and one of the main people behind AI, artificial intelligence of where it is today, the scientist behind that 75-year-old man who was an executive at Google, resigned yesterday, saying this is going in a direction that I can't be a part of. This has gone too dangerous now. I don't, he, what he knows is uh, you know, thousands of times more than what I know and what you know. He's, this is his animal. He see, this is going to become Frankenstein. Or it is already. Just, I'm, I'm out. I can't be part of this. I mean, I've been mentioning this before. It's because genuinely it creates fear in me that I don't know what the future holds. This is going to be a time of ajib fitna. Very ajib fitna of our deen. That's the main thing, a deen. I'm not economic loss, jobs, this, that, programmers losing their jobs. and other, That's a different thing. But we're talking about what will happen to the deen is something that is very worrisome to me. We don't know what the future holds. It's so, hard and it's so hard for us to follow the deen with so much confusion on YouTube and Facebook and we don't know who to believe, we don't know what news to believe, we don't know what hadith to believe, we don't know what scholar to believe. Everyone's confused. Now you imagine you throw an AI in that mix and you have scholars giving powerful speeches that they never actually gave with their voice, with their gestures, with their facial expressions that are not theirs. A whole concocted bayan. Who, how in the world are you going to know that they didn't give it? That's, that can be done right now, tonight. Something like that. So we know definitely the days ahead are of huge fitna. And so this should be our dua as well. Ya Allah, fitna. If you choose to throw the entire nation to a fitna, especially a fitna which they're not going to survive, then call me back without being tested. And that's why many times you see, right after the death of great individuals, some huge chaos happens. Right after the death of so-called elders, mashayikh, ulama, huge chaos happens. And I always think that this is probably the dua they were making. 
Ya Allah, pull me back, call me back before you send out the next wave of viruses. And so their, their departure from this dunya, in one sense, gives us a signal that something horrible is going to happen. You know, the, 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 the walls will break. So Alhamdulillah, the deen teaches us all of these du'as. That's why Nabi Wasallam said, none of you should desire death. No matter how depressed you are, no matter how sad you are, don't desire death. Don't ever desire death. You don't know. You think death is better than life? You think you have a tough day at work? Wait till you see what happens in the hereafter if, we don't, if we're not prepared to meet Allah. He said, if you really, really insist that life is too difficult and I can't take this anymore, then the most you can make is the following dua. Allahumma ahyini ma kanatil hayatu khayran li. Oh Allah, give me life as long as life is good for me. وَتَوَفَّنِي إِذَا كَانَتِ الْوَفَاةُ خَيْرًا لِي And grant me death when death shall be better there for me. اللَّهُمَّ جَعَلِ الْحَيَاةَ زِيَادَةً لَنَا فِي كُلِّ خَيْرٍ Oh Allah, make life for me a means of increase in goodness. Meaning, let every day that I gain in this world a means of me gaining goodness. وَجَعَلِ الْمَوْتَ رَاحَةً لِي مِن كُلِّ شَرٍ And make eventually my death be my greatest safety from every evil that is lurking out there. Meaning, if I were to live another day, I would have been bit by something huge. So I was saved a day prior by being pulled back. And every day that I live, it's well worth it. Because I am able to throw into my bag loads of blessings that I did not have access to yesterday. What powerful, beautiful du'as of our beloved Prophet Wasallam. May Allah accept these du'as on our behalf. So, لَا تَجْعَلْنِي فِي الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ This is the humility Allah is teaching the Prophet as well, in one sense. That you're the Prophet, but make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not keep you amongst those when the punishment befalls. Why? Because the Qur'an says, وَاتَّقُوا fitna. Fear that test, that adab. Fitna means test and adab, both. Fear that test, fear that adab. لَا تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاصَّةً when it afflicts you, it will not afflict only the sinners. When Allah's punishment comes, when Allah's adab comes, say COVID, did it affect only the sinful people? We lost thousands of pious people in this COVID. There you go. Be wary of that fitna and adab. When it befalls you, it will not befall only the sinners. It will knock out everyone. And know very well that indeed Allah is all powerful when it comes to retribution. So that is why we've been taught to make this dua. Oh Allah, do not make me with the oppressors. For indeed, we, will, we are well able to show you. Alright? For indeed we are well able to show you the fulfillment of all that we have promised to them. Look at these words. Man, look at the look at the istighna of Allah. Allah doesn't need anyone. You see, he's the boss. He doesn't care about anyone. That's Allah. People say I'm the boss. You know they say, I'm like literally, I kid you not. Think about this. They say the most powerful president, he's a powerful superpower. Name it, you name whoever you want. Can there anyone out there who say, I fear no repercussion? I press a button, I got nuclear warheads, this, that. Of course not. Every single, if they didn't fear repercussion, why are they have surrounded by 100 or 200 or 500 you know, security agents? And why are they sitting 25 feet in a bunker, under a bunker if they didn't fear repercussion? 
Why are they taken to a hidden destination? If you're a man, come out. Come out in the open field and talk and do whatever you want. Everyone is afraid of repercussion. It's all lies. There's only one who says, فَدَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ فَسَوَّاهَا he, Allah Azza wa Fadamdama, He destroyed them, utterly destroyed them due to their sins. Fasawaha, and He leveled them to the ground. Or nowadays we say, carpet bound them. Fasawaha, leveled them to the ground. Walayakhafuqbaha, and He does not fear its repercussion. That is only Allah, who truly, truly doesn't fear any repercussion. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the real boss. He says, وَإِنَّا And indeed, لَقَادِرُونَ We are capable. All capable. لا, most definitely. All capable. عَلَىٰ أَن نُرِيَكَ To show you مَا نَعِدُهُمْ What we have promised them. Meaning, Ya Rasulullah, I'm not bluffing. I'm not bluffing. Adab, Jahannam, I can bring it on right now. And I'm capable of having you watch all of this. But I'm not doing it. Rasulullah made this dua. Ya Allah, please. I don't want this whole ummah to be destroyed. And Allah answered. What did He say? وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not punish your nation as long as you are amongst them. Look at the honor Allah gave to our Nabi. As long as you are on this earth, I'm not going to wipe them all out. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ And I'm not going to destroy them all as long as they are seeking forgiveness. So ulama have said, it's not only as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amongst them, I'm sorry, as long as the Prophet sallallahu is amongst them with his body and his soul, it means even as long as the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu is amongst us. So we ask Allah to make you and I from amongst those who have the sunnah within us and who have the, those actions within us alive that will become a means of repelling the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amin rabbil alameen. We'll inshallah take some questions. We have Isha at 9.45, so we'll take some questions and we'll followed by uh, dhikr. Um, <clears throat> if you don't, uh, yeah, so these are the uh, QR code for Slido. It's 272-7514, 272-7514 for questions that you may have. Um, Shall ask questions that are relevant to all of us here, and hopefully we'll be able to help. Um, additionally, after those of you are asking questions, if you don't get the text reminder text messages, if you're joining us your first time, sign up for the weekly tafsir reminder via text. Scan this, and inshallah you'll get a weekly reminder for the text uh, for the tafsir. <clears throat> Okay, so um, yes, if a person is dancing at a wedding uh, without music and full segregation, I mean, there's, there are customs and cultures uh, uh, that have that. Um, there are, you know, it depends which your background, because you know why? When I don't want to give an open statement of this being permissible. Um, because, you know, some, for example, some of the very pious, righteous families within, say, the Arab culture, they are very, very particular to be wearing all their gloves and niqab and whatnot, but then the women have their own way of celebrating it amongst themselves. So there's, you know, the uh, possibility and possibility of that. But if we bring that's not found in our Desi culture. 
Our Desi culture is crazy. There's no such thing of level of, of this separation and hijab and dancing, right? So they are fallen Bollywood style. And uh, Bollywood style is just getting worse and worse. So uh, if there's a specific, a specific way, you know, you know, a person should, uh, I, I guess what we should say is look about waqar. Like it's waqar means dignity. We want to celebrate a happy occasion in a dignified manner. You know when, when, the, when the sport teams wins and you see the hooligans celebrating. What do you look at that? Do you look at that and say, that's me? Maybe that's, you know, then you say, maybe I want to dance too. But when you look at that and say, no, that's not me. I'm happy my team won. But that's not a way to celebrate. Um, because you, you are a man or a woman of dignity. And so celebrations should be in a dignified manner. Many people unfortunately think down upon Islamically correct weddings. Can you provide some insight on how beautiful and fulfilling they are? Subhanallah. I mean, for following the deen, here is a very legitimate question. People think following the deen is, is boring, or following the deen and sunnah is unfulfilling. And the real fulfillment is the fulfillment of the heart. You know what that is? It's like telling someone who is a uh, cocaine crack addict, and he says, bro, this is fulfilling. Try it. What are you going to tell him? He, for him, that's fulfilling, for that 30 second high that he gets. But I'm sure none of you would sit there and say, yeah, let me try it. It must be, looks very fulfilling. Look at you. You look very fulfilled. He's addicted. He's in that horrible, vicious cycle. May Allah save him and protect us. But that's not fulfilling. But he calls that fulfilling. Because he's made himself addicted to that. Similarly, the one who's gotten fulfillment through bid'ah or through sin, the one who truly follows the sunnah will never find enjoyment in that. It's what about how you find yourself, uh, you know, just like liquor and wine. There are people out there who find that very appealing. And there's, uh, uh, there's all of you who find that very appealing. And repelling, you'd be repelled from that. You'd find it very repugnant. So it's, Allah says, whoever follows the deen, Allah will give them a beautiful life. Hayatan tayyib, a good life. And the good life starts with the life in your heart, you'll be content. Because you know that when you pass away on your last day of this world, inshallah, what awaits you will be something beautiful. You know that. You'll be waiting. Like I have met people who are passing away and, and they're just. Just, mashallah. You know, I remember I was, one person, I met him in Mecca, uh, and he was a cancer patient. Him and his wife both were advanced cancer. My ustad was sitting next to him, and, and people were pressing his feet. And he was on a, like a, what do you call this? A, a, a stretcher. And uh, I said, what's happened? He said, he's got a super advanced cancer state, and um, pretty much he's got a few days left, so he came here to die. Looking at the Kaaba, he came here to die, last few days. To just to sit there, watch the Kaaba do dhikr, and he was in so much pain, he was eyes closed. And I'm like, subhanAllah, what kind of people in the dunya Allah has created? Imagine a person is passing away, but he's chosen his spot, where to go. That's called fulfillment. When you led a life and you know, alhamdulillah, you're ready to go to Allah. Azza wa Jalla. So a person who leads, a, who, whose marriage is according to the sunnah, I mean, then again, why should we be a Muslim? You say it's. You have to follow Muhammad Rasulullah. Well, then look at Rasulullah's daughter's marriages. Look at Rasulullah's marriages himself. That's what's fulfilling. So, are you going to say the Prophet's marriage was unfulfilling? Are you going to say the Prophet's daughter's marriages were failures? What are we seeing right now? 33% divorce rate. 33% divorce rate at the moment. And it's only going to increase based on the signs of the hour. So, all of these fancy shamansi things, that money that is being spent, spend it. I'm not saying that, but spend it on yourself and your spouse. Buy a condo, buy a home, right? Get yourself a car, get yourself a whatever you need. That's more important than spending it in, in ways that are uh, disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The du'as that are mentioned, uh, you can find these du'as in Al-Hizbul A'zam. Um, and, you know, if you email us, info at dsfnd.org, or you send a text message to the masjid phone number, inshallah, someone can respond to you there as well. What is a du'a I can make if I cannot concentrate in my task? Or have a scattered mind? Uh, one of them would be, um, like for example, Right? Oh Allah, keep, strengthen my heart. And you could, another one could be, This is the next ayah, we didn't get to it today. Next ayah. Oh Allah, I ask you from the insinuations and the attacks of shaitan. Because shaitan comes and messes with our mind. So there's no, I don't know if there's a, a specific Arabic dua just for that. But um, that is, you know, these are the quick duas that do come to my mind for concentration. رَبِّ الشَّحْلِ صَدْرِي وَيَسْرِ لِي أَمْرِي Make my job easy. وَحْلُ الْعَقْدَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِ يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Different athkar a person can do. يَا وَدُودُ يَا غَفُورُ يَا عَزِيزُ يَا جَبَّارُ Is a very a powerful dua as well to get your work done. يَا وَدُودُ يَا غَفُورُ يَا عَزِيزُ يَا جَبَّارُ يَا وَدُودُ يَا غَفُورُ يَا عَزِيزُ يَا جَبَّارُ Why did Allah create angels for specific roles such as Israfil if Allah can do everything Himself? Allah can do everything Himself. Allah doesn't need clouds for rain either. It can just, why does Allah need a cloud for rain? Why does Allah even need rain in the first place? Think about it. Just grass needs to grow on its own. Who said it has to need rain for that? It's just a system. Allah made it such. Right? Allah just made all everything. Why do we need oxygen? You don't. Allah could have made us without need of oxygen. Allah could have made us without the need of sunlight. Anything and everything is done because Allah Azza wa just simply wanted to do like that. Allah of course does not need Israfil or Mikail or Malakul Maut. But Allah Azza wa <clears throat> wanted to have this hierarchy in this whole system set up. A <clears throat> lot of questions about marriages. And um, obviously because we spoke about it today. And one of the things is, uh, what I said before, is when it comes to our family, etc., um, you know, the effort has to be made prior to this. A person cannot uh, do, go to the day of and say, oh, this and that. It doesn't work. This is a culmination of 15 years of neglect of sunnah, 15 years of not following the deen. So we have to make effort earlier on, right? And we have to do things with wisdom and hikmah. People are just, you know, people are, are simply need to be reminded about Allah, about Rasulullah, about the Akhirah, about the deen. Look at the big picture. You want blessing. The Prophet ﷺ said, Inna a'adhu bin nikahi aysaruha mu'una. The barakah, inna a'adhu bin nikahi barakah. The, the, the nikah that has the most barakah is the one that has the least expense. So, that is, uh, the worst food is the food of walima in which the poor are rejected and the wealthy are invited. Worst food he mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ, worst food. So these are things that a person should say, I, want, I, wanted, to, I wanted to have blessings so I gotta follow the sunnah of the Prophet how much should a person spend well a person like I said now you look at you see I need to feed the people yes you can feed you can feed but there's a way of feeding also everything nowadays you have emails you have text messages to invite people you have uh, you know all there's there's different levels of things but when we have an idea that there's a certain neighborhood I live in, there's a certain last name I have, there's a certain profession I am from, or my daughter-in-law or my son-in-law has a certain profession and I have to live up to that standard, this is where the issue comes about. We have to say, no, what I am more interested in, simplicity and, and making my Nabi happy. And I promise you, you will be so... I've never heard, I've never heard someone saying, I disrespect that wealthy person because they had a simple wedding. That person, subhanAllah, has got no class. He's a cheap person. I've never heard that. 
I've just heard people say, wow, man, that person did something which I can't do. You know what? If you don't have the money and you don't spend, that's not a big sacrifice. The real sacrifice is when you have the money to spend on all sorts of wasteful things and then you don't for the sake of Allah. That's the real test. And that will definitely get you not only the honor by Allah and the Rasulullah, but people here. I know recently in Hyderabad where we're from, there was a very wealthy, a famous person there who, uh, mashallah, you know, I met as well, and he had four members of his family, two from his family, two from his wife's family. He, two of his own sons, if I remember correctly. He said, I want to save the money, and I want to show by example. Everyone knows he's a millionaire. And so he said, I'm going to do all four weddings together. All of them were done one after the other in the masjid, and then had one big hall where everyone is fed. And he purposely, I asked him, because I, was in, I invited me to invite him to go. I said, I was, you know, I said, must be crazy preparation. He said, no, we have one. One wedding, well, I mean, one food, and three dishes. I think three dishes, four dishes. He could have 15, 20 dishes. To the extent there's news reporters came, very famous individual, news reporters came and literally filmed it. It's like, this is like, we've never seen a simpler wedding where thousands of people came, because you know so many people, you invited 5,000 people. But three, three dishes, and subhanAllah, four weddings together. And they asked his assistant, like, why is the Sayyid Saab doing this? He said, the Sayyid Saab, or you know, the business, he's doing it because he wants to send a signal to all the poor people who don't have the means. And listen, man, listen, I'm with you. Who said in the world that if you have money, you have to make israf and be extravagant like this? This is, if you have the money, invite thousands of people and feed them. Fuqara, gharib, poor people, invite them, feed them. Thousands, no one's gonna stop. As much as you can, there's, there's millions of people who don't have food. Feed them. But if you just in wealthy people just inviting wealthy people and not the poor are not invited, it's divorce food. So my, what did that happen? Did he lose respect for that? Absolutely not. People are like, wow, that is just amazing. And so we have to set an example. If Allah has given you wealth, it's your time to set the example. Not just writing a big check and donating, but beyond that, to have simple weddings, halal weddings, proper weddings. And you will see that people will walk away and I promise you you'll be the talk of the town. Now don't do it because of that. But you should do that. I want to be a trendsetter. I want other people to say that $100,000 that I saved from marriage here, wallahi, 100,000, 200,000 we can save easily. And seriously, how many people just back from your own village that you were born in, how many thousands or hundreds of marriages of boys and girls you could do with that $200,000, $300,000 that you saved? And inshallah, there will be less ayn, less nadar, less sihar, less hate, less jealousy of the people against your son and daughter as well. Who's going to be jealous of, of such a simple wedding? So they're like, oh, forget, we don't even look at these people. So mashallah, they're happy in a happy life. And with that couple hundred thousand dollars that you saved, now you go do another thousand marriages. And you make niya, ya Allah, the reward of these thousand marriages, give it to, give, allow my son and son-in-law, or my daughter and my daughter-in-law, I have a beautiful life. What an amazing, I hope someone of you listens to me and does this. That you have the intention, you have the means, and you say, no, we're going to cut. We're going to cut from this, and we'll give sadaqah. We'll get, they'll use it for marriage, but just use it for another two, three hundred people to get married. Right? And save, save people from zina. Right? Save people who are suffering. Save people, save fathers in India and Pakistan, and I'm sure other places, who are literally committing suicide. Because they don't have the means to get their daughters married. Literally, there's so many stories of that. Imagine the ajr you're going to get with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something of that sort. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the faham, the understanding, and of doing the right thing. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. As a reminder once again, inshallah, if you don't, haven't already done so, please register for our annual retreat. 
which is going to be happening in about 25 days, Memorial Day weekend, Friday, May 26th to Sunday, May 28th, the changing of tides, right and wrong. Part of that is going to be marriage as well. These are, look at this, marriage, protecting Islamic values, to resisting non-traditional customs, unraveling the knot, examining the prevalence of divorce in modern society, marriage versus career, the high cost of dealing marriage, a call to chastity, resisting the temptation of romance outside of marriage. This is just one section of it. You see all these other sections that mashallah we're going to be addressing in this annual retreat that is talking about how what's wrong has become right and right has become wrong. Please attend this free event with the entire family. It starts at Friday at Maghrib and it will go until Sunday Dhuhr. If you're from out of town, we have special rates available at the Fairfield Inn across the street and Armada Inn. You can book it through our website and invite. We, are, we have some buses as well coming from uh, Dallas. Some brothers from Houston as well are coming. So inshallah, whichever area you're coming, speak to people and try to encourage people to come with their vans, with buses, or find a cheap ticket and share it in your community and encourage people to attend this extremely important, relevant uh, retreat and I hope Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to attain more than what we are gaining and hoping for, and make this, inshaAllah, one of these accepted programs of this of this institution. Subhanallah, bihamdi, Subhanakallah, bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.